So we're going to get started today, and I am so excited to have Carol Stoney back. She was on an episode with me in November called Repairing Relationships and Healthy Couplehood, and I have gotten such great feedback, and it has been probably the most downloaded podcast episode that I've had, and I couldn't wait to get her back. She's super busy, and um, we'll tell you here a little bit about what she does, and um, definitely if you like today's episode, um, please go back and listen to that one from November. It's incredibly full. Uh, A lot of her clients call it her top 10. And, um, and I'm got, getting to meet her wonderful husband today named Robert, and he is from Ireland, and he's sitting here with us. So let me go ahead and say hello to Carol and Robert. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you for being here. Robert's really not going to talk, but he might. Hello, Beth. I'll just say hello. We love his accent. Carol and I were just talking. <laughs> Never gets old. Never gets old. Some some of you may not know my husband's from Scotland, so they just met, and Remus set up our microphones, and um, he's a kindred spirit, so we're all excited. Going to go to lunch after this. So. Um, so Carol specializes in couples therapy and does, if you want to clarify or add anything, just so they know you do lots of couples work and lots of seminars and, uh, some virtual, some in person. Yeah. I've gone back to all telehealth right now at Mm -hmm. this point, Mm -hmm. uh, just because my husband and I live in two different places. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, not apart from each other, but like like we live here in Tennessee and we live in, um, in the Gulf. And so it just let me do my practice, continue that way. So it's been fascinating that almost universally clients have loved it. The virtual? Yeah, they have loved the virtual. Uh I've had a couple who, uh, you know, will say that they don't really prefer it, Mm -hmm. but they're still fine with it. And I'm finding that it's equally effective. Good. Uh, So so that has been nice. And every once in a while I miss hugging a client at the end of a time or putting a hand on a knee when I know Mm -hmm. somebody needs to be regulated. so there, it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but I find that it's still really effective and that clients are appreciating the fact that they can be in their pajamas or they can um, do it during a child's nap time mm-hmm. or they can be in two different places even. So mm-hmm. if I have a couple where one just cannot get away from work, as long as people have good Wi-Fi and they have um, you know a place that feels where they have some security and confidentiality. They don't Mm -hmm. feel like somebody's going to be busting in the door. They've got privacy, I should say. Yeah. For an hour, then, you know, it takes some training. So if you're going to work with somebody who does telehealth with you, make sure that they're trained to do that because it's different Mm -hmm. than in-person therapy. The Mm -hmm. kinds of ways that you work with a client to have them feel secure or cared for, or especially with couples therapy, how you have a couple take care of each other is different than in person. Wow, that's really So make sure, I I guess that's for anybody who's thinking about going into couples therapy, um, make sure you ask that therapist if Mm -hmm. they have specific training in couples therapy online. That's really great to know. That's really good to know. I haven't done 
couples work online that I can think of, but I have done a lot of individual. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've heard clients and I myself appreciate is just, you feel like you're so close to them, closer than you would be, because it's sometimes just their face or mm-hmm. just their torso. You feel like you're almost three feet apart mm-hmm. instead of six or yes. seven or, um, well, so Carol and I are going to try to have two really helpful educational conversations today on topics related to what she does. And so, and we're going to split them into two different episodes. So we thought we would start with the topic and, and of course, Carol and I tend to love to go off on all kinds of different relevant topics, but sort of the idea of when does a therapist go from being your individual therapist to your couple's therapist or mm-hmm. how do you you know ethically navigate helping an individual with a, an issue related to their marriage and not blur boundaries or mess up their marriage or some of the research you're going to share on how individual therapy can be damaging to mm-hmm. a couple if it's not done the right way. And Very I think so. I need maybe some help on that myself. Um, and I would love to also pick your brain on that topic of when does a couple, when does a person need to start with individual therapy to get ready for couples therapy and all that stuff. That's so, a good point. okay. So I think I want to go back to what you first started talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you have somebody who's listening to this podcast and they're considering getting some help on their relationship. One thing that's really hard in our field, in our field as therapists, mm-hmm. psychologists, social workers, whomever you're going to see, or even pastors, mm-hmm. rabbis. I mean, this stuff is really unregulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our field is has some really good regulation, but in terms of specific clinical specialties, it's mm-hmm. pretty unregulated. Mm. So I could have finished with a master's degree and never taken a course in working with couples and hung my shingle out and started seeing couples Yeah, and said that I was a couples therapist. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's that's deceptive. You know, if mm-hmm. I go to the dentist, I expect him to have some dental training. Mm-hmm. By and large, our our field, well, we just need to get a lot better. Yeah, uh, and we, you know, the only thing we can do at this point that I can see is educate consumers, and just say if you're going to see a therapist, just because they say they work with anxiety, just because they say they work with couples, whatever it is, just ask. Mm-hmm. It, this is your shopping mm-hmm. for somebody to work with. Make sure you ask them what is your specific training mm-hmm. in that area. I think almost all therapists have their hearts in the right place and are trying to be helpers and are trying to be um, show up and help people have more ease in their lives. But if they don't know how to do that in a field that um, is already dealing with a lot of harm mm-hmm. or um, injury that people have, we can inadvertently add to that injury, mm-hmm. not knowing what we're doing. Oh, yeah. So that's my little consumer tip mm-hmm. is just ask what is your specific training in that area? That's not insulting to a therapist. Mm-hmm. And if it is, that's not somebody you should be working with. Right. If they're that threatened or yeah. insecure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so find somebody who's doing that. Uh, part of your question was deciding between individual and couples therapy. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Sort of if someone is 
going to therapy, let's just say, for instance, because they're they're a little depressed or a little anxious. And part of that issue is my marriage isn't great. I'm having some marital problems and who doesn't have some marital problems. Mm -hmm. But then at what point do you say, okay, this is going towards couples therapy um, and you should maybe see a couples therapist and versus we should keep talking about your marriage problems in a one on one context versus either or switching into, hey, how about I could, you know, either potentially there are ethical issues there, become your marriage therapist as long as your spouse or partner isn't uncomfortable with the fact Mm -hmm. that I've talked to you 10 times already, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, this is a loaded topic. So it's so loaded. And, you know, there are ethical codes that talk to us about not being in dual roles. And what Mm -hmm. that means is we're not supposed to be um, somebody's teacher and their therapist or their babysitter and their therapist right. or whatever it is. We're supposed to keep those roles clear. It's less clear when it comes to individual and couples therapy. Mm-hmm. And so we're, as therapists, given the right to make a lot of that decision on mm-hmm. our own. I I like to, um, if I'm working with somebody, I work with a lot of individuals, by the way, mm-hmm. okay. on relationship health. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Because maybe they're single. Mm-hmm. You know, I have gone through a really difficult relationship in the past. Mm-hmm. I, and I always think it's so dear when they finally meet somebody and they say, well, I just really need them to meet you now because we've talked about all my relationship stuff. Yes. And so then it becomes um, a big decision for me to say, is this, does this hurt my individual relationship with this person? Mm-hmm. You know, that connection now that I know it's it's a clinical decision. Right. Um, I probably would not do long-term therapy mm-hmm. with somebody, but if they wanted to bring that person in and say, look, yeah. Carol, you know, I've met this person and I talk mm-hmm. about you and what we learned and mm-hmm. really want you to meet this person. Yeah. So I think that's great to do maybe some premarital work or which to me is more about three sessions when I'm doing premarital work anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm fine with yeah. doing that. Long-term couples therapy, I would not do with somebody mm-hmm. I had seen individually mm-hmm. because what you do at that point is you rob them of having an individual therapist. Right. It gets really murky. Right. They want you to be both, but they they probably need an individual separate therapist yeah. for ongoing work. And I then think they so. lose that. I think they're separate. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what does happen often is the opposite. So if I've seen a couple mm-hmm. and one person decides they do not want to be in this relationship anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which happens. You oh, know, yeah. As adults, people decide to do that. Mm-hmm. You, As a therapist, we can give them all of the options in the world and the tools and the caring and the support, but not everybody's going to want to avail of those or be Mm -hmm. able to avail of those at the time. And, you know, so there can be a lot of suffering for an individual partner who says, Hey, you, you know, my marriage, you know, my situation, you know, I'm in the middle of grieving. Can you help me with that? So that's a judgment call for me too. Right. Uh, You know, I'm typically going to say yes to that. Yeah because of continuity of care. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think it damages a future relationship or them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically, I think that's a really good idea, but it probably isn't always true if I think somebody's going to need long-term care on something that doesn't have to do with couples therapy or their relationship. I'm going to refer them out. Yeah, that's good. I think the thing that we, that is closest to my heart about this is the fact that we have so many well-intended therapists who do individual work Mm -hmm. 
and that work is predictive of divorce. Mm-hmm. If they're dealing with marital if issues. If they're dealing with marital individual. issues. Yeah. So yeah. if an individual comes to a therapist and says, I need to talk about my relationship, it's terrible. It's a natural inclination for a kind and loving therapist to say, that sounds awful. How are you dealing with that? Mm-hmm. You know, you should get out of there. This sounds like this isn't good for your mental yeah. health or, you know, all these things without ever meeting the other partner. Mm-hmm. And that's malpractice. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. That's yeah. malpractice. Well-intentioned therapist. Well-intentioned could be, malpractice. Yeah. Because you're, as therapists, we don't get the consequences mm-hmm. if this marriage falls apart. Yeah. You know, and it could just be a phase that this couple is in that's really, really tough. We're not there to hear the other side mm-hmm. of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I think as people who are trying to work with mental health, mm-hmm. we need to help this person deal with themselves, mm-hmm. you know, not deal with this other human being or changing this other human being. It's really important that we refer them to a couples therapist if it's a relationship issue. Unless you, as an individual therapist, have specific training in doing couples therapy one on one, and that yeah. is a very specific field. Right. I know it sounds like we're splitting hairs here. Yeah. Uh, but the research bears this out that yeah. individual therapy predicts divorce and relationship issues. You know what's so interesting? And I would love to know any examples that either you've experienced or heard about or or could make up but i actually know that this has happened for me personally to with a friend that got divorced years ago um and then i know it's happened with clients before where i would be thinking oh my goodness they're married to a horrible person mm-hmm. what a terrible mm-hmm. you know you get sucked in yes you? and i'm just assuming that everything they're saying is not only true which generally i think it has been true but mm-hmm. it is their subjective version of reality and they may not realize their own struggles or they may not be admitting mm-hmm. their own and so um I know there have been times I can't pull up any client examples in my mind, but I remember at times thinking, wow, this person sounds horrible. They probably should get a divorce. I don't think I said that. But then when I'd meet the other person, I would have this aha moment of go, oh, this is the whole other side of the story that puts everything in context. So I could see where, you know, I've probably made some mistakes in that area, but where it would be really easy for people to just not say, well, is there any validity to your partner's, you know, behavior or treatment or what would they say is going on with you? But there's nothing wrong with having that feeling of incredible judgment. Yes. Um, I mean, let's not, let's not take away the humanness that comes up of living with another human being. It's what you do with that. Right. Honestly, it's what, and we're going to talk a little bit in this next grouping of, of our podcast Uh We're going to talk a little bit about how we come up with those stories, what's happening in our body Uh that has us come up with those stories. And for therapists, it's the same thing. What's happening for us in our body that we're getting activated and mobilized against another human being. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I like that word. Activated, I always love, but the word mobilized is so cool. Can you sort of define that. I love that word. How would you sort of describe mobilize? Well, think about what the body does when it thinks something is coming up against you. Mm -hmm. Is it mobilizes the sympathetic nervous system starts revving up to protect you. Like ready for action. Ready for action. 
Mm-hmm. It's ready for action. And there's a certain amount of that that's going to be really productive. Mm-hmm. It's going to have you swerve when somebody's mm-hmm. coming toward you. It's going to have you get a few things done on your to-do list. Mm-hmm. You know, but it also can be too energized to mm-hmm. a place where you're more disabled or your thinking is not clear as Gottman talks about being flooded and being offline. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a certain amount of, uh, I would even think in this topic for us as therapists, that we might get mobilized, which means that we are colluding with mm-hmm. that client against their partner. Right. And that's what we can't do. You know, that's that's unethical. Is if this person, I, if I have to look back and say, why does this person come into my office? Well, my relationship is really painful then my job as a therapist is to say, how can we bring more ease into your relationship? If you're sitting in front of me as my client, and that's all I'm talking about is you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you. Yeah. Let's talk about what you can try, what you can do, what's happening to you when you don't feel like being loving or attuning or attending or, or how you can even express some of your frustration, mm-hmm. legitimate frustration or concerns in a way that brings your partner closer. Because my guess right now is the way somebody is expressing their concerns or confusion or hurt is pushing their partner away mm-hmm. or they're not expressing it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the real trick in all of this is that, you know, the hardest clients we have are the ones who come in and are absolutely certain that they're right. Mm-hmm. You know, that they are the good one, their partner is the bad one and needs help. They see no fault or take yeah, no responsibility. Yeah, they take no responsibility and it is brutal yeah. as a couples therapist. That's always the clinch in the gut of how am I gonna do this gently and keep both of these people here mm. so they can work with each other better because we're always both in that dance with each other. And I'm not talking about physical abuse um, mm-hmm. or emotional abuse. I'm talking about just everyday malfunction as yeah. a couple that's normal. Yeah. There's wonderful research that I remember Brent Atkinson uh, did and his, his some of his work is some of my favorite hmm. in couples therapy. And it said really from what he can tell about one in four, and I think John Gottman said one in five and mm-hmm. something I was listening to yesterday of us are equipped at all to be in a relationship. Ooh, I agree with that. Yeah, to have any kind of training at all to be compassionate when we're hurt or to um, take care of another human being and not fall into the four horsemen that we talked about in the first podcast immediately, Mm. right? So when you have somebody come in, if you haven't left everything on the field, in my way of thinking about it, if you haven't tried every single thing to try to repair your family, then you haven't really finished the course yeah. of what you needed to learn in that classroom. And so mm. it's going to be repeated. You know, relationships so the relationship are a classroom. is the classroom. Oh, That's I all they are. That. And I think I said it in the last one that we did, that it's your last best chance to grow up. Yes. And if you don't want to grow up, that's okay. That's okay. Don't, I mean, okay. We have a human right to be in relationships and make a mess of them. But I think when you are trying to be responsible for your own growth, I want to know with my clients, if they are going to leave a relationship or exit, I want them to have peace that they have tried and thoroughly gone through everything that they possibly leave, could have don't done leave to any reconnect. stone unturned. Yeah. That's to really reconnect think. with another partner, but mostly to evaluate their own behavior mm, and their learn. own contribution and what's happening with me when I act this way. What part of their story about me is true? 
mm-hmm. that you know what I do shut down yes. when you're upset with me or you know what when I do feel rejected I do snipe at you whatever it is that they begin to learn are their action tendencies mm-hmm. if they say you know what I do know that about myself I do that and I'm not going to stop mm-hmm. okay then but you're going to have a hard time being in a relationship and that's that's their and decision. And at least admitting not it mine. helps a little. Not mine. <laughs> yeah. It means you learn from the classroom. It's not the therapist's job to decide whether people stay in relationships yeah. or not. It is my job to talk with them about what the consequences are either way. Yeah. To really look thoroughly at that. Someone needs to write a term. book called The Relationship Classroom. Yeah. That would be a good one, wouldn't it? It's so good. I love that image of just, and really life is a classroom. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, there's a book that's, you know, it might be too slightly religious in its grounding for some people, but it's called Sacred Marriage. What if marriage mm-hmm. was intended to make you holy more than to make you happy? Mm-hmm. And I do think that whether you, you consider it in a religious context or not, just that idea of what if everything that I do in life has an opportunity to teach me and help me see my blind spots and help me grow and help me learn whether it's, why did I get these kids? Why did I marry this person? You know, what feedback, I love the image of marriage being like a mirror. Yeah. And that this person shows you a reflection. Robert shows you a reflection of yourself that you might not see if you weren't with oh, him or, or living with anyone or um, and your kids. But um, very much. Well, one of the things that I've been working on over the last couple of years, and it's not finished yet, but is an actual classroom online so that because I think having had the privilege and studying really hard for three decades on relationship health and the science of Mm -hmm. all of it, I thought, you know, not everybody has three decades to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be able to create something that people can go in and learn first about themselves, then about their partner, Mm. and then about healthy relationships. So in an accessible this, way. Is this on your website? It's it's going to be. Okay. It's, I, but when you said classroom, it triggered it for me. And it's 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 under the um, myrelationshiphealth.com. It's in a work in progress type Yeah, of it's thing. a work in progress right now. But it's it's been fascinating to me to think about what you said is how, what do I put in that classroom? What's mm. going to get in? Mm-hmm. What's going to really touch people mm-hmm. enough that they begin to take responsibility for their contribution. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's the fact that they're it's too hard for them to look at their contribution. Mm-hmm. You know, I never wanted to be that kind of person. I can't believe I'm doing the very thing that I said I was never going to do. Right. And you that's know? why I love the paradigm of never perfect, how mm-hmm. we all have strengths and weaknesses. And the more we can know and accept and make peace with, hey, I have this blind spot, whether it's I have a temper or for me, you know, I have ADHD or, you know, we have different priorities, different mm-hmm. emphases in our lives. And but no one's going to be perfect. And if we all just kind of accept that basic obvious fact then we can say we can come to marriage therapy mm-hmm. and say i am too much of an extrovert or i'm too much of a hermit or i'm you know too um passive and or passive aggressive and i'm too uh, um aggressive it when you were talking earlier about one in four people having the equipment they need to deal with a relationship i want to do an episode on assertiveness and just thinking how many people are actually in that 
happy medium between 10, I say is aggressive and just being mean, nasty, hurtful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yelling, screaming, whatever. One being passive, holding everything and internalizing, not speaking the truth and right. being clear and direct. And then a five, anywhere around a five is assertive and speaking the truth and love and being clear. You don't try to hurt. You don't try not to hurt. You're just trying to be honest. Well, I, I think that's tricky though, because mm-hmm. It can, I I hear so much in my practice, people saying, well, that wasn't my intent. Mm -hmm. I don't care what your intent was. Yeah. What I care about if you're going to be in a relationship is how it lands. Yes. And there's something that Brent Atkinson says that I think is, again, back to Brent. He's amazing. And he says, can you stand up for yourself without putting somebody else down? Mm. That's really, really tricky. Mm-hmm. And it goes against what our body tells us to do, you know, to be defensive or protective mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. shut down or whatever. But it, it forces you to play the long game here. Mm. If I want to be married to this human being, that probably shouldn't shred them mm-hmm. for the sake of honesty. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying suck it up. I'm yeah. not saying don't talk about it. But most often in our culture, what we do is we talk about the other person and not ourselves. Mm. Like point out their faults? Yes, yes. Uh I've had more. This is really interesting. This has come up multiple times in my practice recently. I've been fascinated by it. I think it must be a buzzword or something that people come in and they talk about being their partner's accountability partner. Mm. Like, oh no, that's not what you are when you're married. Unless somebody has asked you mm-hmm. to be help, you know, be accountable that's for codependent. how much water I drink every day, uh-huh. or like, can you remind me right. about this? Otherwise you are not somebody's accountability yeah, I'm not partner. your life coach and you're- No, 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 <laughs> no, yeah. no. And it changes the balance in uh-huh. a really painful and ugly way. So I think when I hear people saying, well, I just want to be honest. Yeah. It trips a wire for me of that sounds dangerous. That's fascinating. That sounds dangerous. You better check first why you're talking about this. And first you better talk about what's happening to you. Mm. So an example for that might be, um, if I, if I wanted to talk to my partner about, actually, this is a really good mm-hmm. example. Um, somebody I worked with long ago gave me this. And I thought it was so good. Her partner was late a mm-hmm. lot mm-hmm. to things, and that sounds spe- familiar. Especially, <laughs> late, especially late to church. She uh, would talk about he would be late to church, mm-hmm. and she would get up on Sunday morning. She'd be stressed out. She knew they were going to be late, mm-hmm. and so it would cause all these fusses between them. And then they would have to sneak into the back row, hoping that nobody saw how late they were. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, this thing that was really comforting to her, mm-hmm. which she really liked, going to her church and being there and seeing people, it was just a real sweet time for her, mm-hmm. was marred by this experience of always anticipating that he was going to make them late. Yeah, and then they were going to have this angry time and going out to lunch afterward was going to be no fun. Like friction still and stress. Angry. Yeah. But what she realized in the end was more effective than saying you're inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have planned the night before. Let me just be honest with you mm-hmm. about I think that you're all of these things. She sat him down and, and she burst into tears and she said, I just get so embarrassed mm. when we walk in late. I feel embarrassed. I feel like people look at us. It might the pastor might think that we don't care about what he's doing about his sermon. Disrespectful yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid. I just, it hurts. 
you know, I'm just really, really embarrassed. And then I take it out on you and then we're in a fuss and I hate that. They were never late again. Wow. Cause he understood the why behind. Yeah. yeah. He got the why that it was about her. It wasn't about his being a jerk. It wasn't about his being inconsiderate. Right. I think for all of us, it's not like, I mean, if you work in our field, you, you know that it's not the to do, it's the why. And mm-hmm. we're always trying to connect people back to the why because that's the only thing that makes change. Mm-hmm. Telling somebody else, being honest with somebody about mm-hmm. their what they're doing is yeah. not going to do anything. It's shame somebody. Yeah. You know, I so I, um, I'm reacting to that yeah. because I think assertiveness is about speaking up mm-hmm. after we've taken a long pause about why we're mm-hmm. doing so, what we hope to gain. And talking about ourselves, not this other person. Mm-hmm. We are not each other's assessment. Yeah. Other people are not our improvement projects. Mm-hmm. That never works. Right. So maybe separating out when is assertiveness like constructive criticism or feedback versus one article I read on assertiveness said the three pieces of it are asking for what you need saying no to something you don't want and expressing your feelings. So in that sense, if if you were being pure to that type of definition of assertiveness, it would be less about criticizing others or mm-hmm. telling mm-hmm. them how they make you feel necessary, but just how mm-hmm. you feel. But that's a powerful example, though, the difference between her husband feeling criticized and like, you've ruined my day and you're stressing me out instead oh. like this is how it affects me so deeply. And then he had enough empathy to say, I can he had step empathy it up. Because she didn't attack him. Right. He could hear her. It, and we'll, we're going to talk more about this in the next podcast. But mm-hmm. if you really realize, if you realize what you're doing, you're working with another body. Mm. You're working with another person's neural system mm-hmm. and their electrical, like what's happening in their body. And if my husband's body feels like I'm attacking him, mm-hmm. then I've lost him. Oh my goodness. I've I've lost somebody who will work with me. Mm. And if I am in attack mode, then I don't have my brain online to be able to hear him. I mean, we actually know that when you are um, feeling stressed or feeling attacked, that your ear bones, some of the bones in there start to close. Really? You're not listening. You're not creative. You're not able to problem solve. If we're not in that connected, safe part of our body. Wow. You know, if we're not working there, then we don't have a partnership anymore. So my job is to keep my body as much as I can a safe space for my husband. Wow. And for my children. So we could almost imagine an invisible layer like a in those superhero movies where someone pushes a button and that whole layer comes over them. Yeah. Like in tiny, small ways, when our partner doesn't feel safe or they attack us, we get this tiny little membrane that like closes over our whole body. We're not accessible anymore. So you and I talked about this a little bit in the last podcast of does my partner feel cared for Mm -hmm. or panicked in our conversation? Mm. Cared for or panicked in our conversation? That's all I've got to know all the time. So when I'm watching a couple, that's all I'm watching. What are you doing to each other's bodies right now? Wow. What are you setting off so that because if you're setting off that panic, then you can't listen to each other. Mm-hmm. So take that a little bit further, though. So if I'm a therapist, I'm an individual therapist and I'm working with a client and I want that client to feel cared for, respected. All of a sudden, I might not be pushing them. I might be just keeping them connected by saying that must suck. 
that must be terrible. I'm sorry that you feel that way. And we're really super connected and they're getting further and further away from connection with their partner. That's why the malpractice happens. With the therapist? Yeah, between the therapist and the client. If my job, if my client has said to me, I want to work on making my relationship healthier, mm-hmm. I need to be careful not to collude mm-hmm. too much with my client. Yeah. Because they're going to the get fire. connected to me, not this other person that they need to create safety with. Wow. They're talking to the wrong person. They're ta- they're it. getting connected to the wrong person. Wow. I need to give them tools over and over and over and redirect them back and say, what, when your partner comes after you like that, where do you go? You know, what, what happens to your body? Where does it hit? And then what do yeah. you do? That's such a great point that reminds me of how often this probably happens where couples confide in a best friend or a parent, mm-hmm. or it could be mm-hmm. someone they could romantically potentially be interested in. And mm-hmm. they start bouncing ideas off of the wrong people instead oh, yeah. of building bridges with their partner. Yeah. Michelle Wiener Davis talks about that. And she's this celebrity, amazing, amazing author and therapist hmm. who wrote Divorce Busting. Uh-huh. And, you know, she was on Oprah, I think in the 80s and all that. But she's just spent a lifetime as a champion of trying to help people. Amazing. Save I've their families. That. Oh, she's just amazing. But she says the worst thing you can do is talk to friends and family about your marriage. Hmm. That's really important to yeah. for people that are peacemakers or conflict avoiders to, yeah. to know that. But they're going they're just going to want to regulate you and say you must be right. We don't want you to be in any pain. And all of a sudden your story is so validated, it's a little bit hard to get out of it. And it feels go back, your fire. Yes. And go back to the family and say, Well, actually I was wrong. You know, I was being a real jerk that day, actually. Instead, it wasn't just him or her. You they're know? not hearing both sides of the story they're and therefore not, they can't not. weigh in. But their, their priority is you. Mm-hmm. Even right. biologically, their priority right. is you. And so they're gonna miss the big picture. Now there's some families who can see through that and, and know you well enough that they're gonna say, look, if you guys divorce, but with the best of their partners. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you wanna say something. No, well spotted now. Just you call it ally grabbing, don't you? Yeah. Ally grabbing. Ooh. Like just grabbing for someone to align with you and be your ally. Yes. Yes. And we all do that. So I think we have to be careful as therapists not to do that, that my alliance is with my client's mental health. Yeah. And that's the part that I think, honestly, and I'm just, it's hard for me not to confess when I have issues like this. I mean, I am such a conflict avoider, people mm. pleaser. Remo, my husband, has helped me get better at that. But I still know that there's something that happens in my nervous system. Yeah. I don't know how much of that is genetic versus, you know, conditioned. But I, I definitely feel often that I need to vent in a journal. I mean, I've vented about my husband or different people I'm frustrated about Mm -hmm. in journals or to other people, which is not a good habit. And I think, especially with your own partner, and you can speak to that conflict is actually can make you so much more intimate if you Mm -hmm. can deal with it. I know Dr. Gottman has a a chapter on something like, um, conflict can enhance your intimacy or something like that. I can't remember what the chapter is called, but Oh yeah, it definitely does. If you, it can, I think that's the key word is what you just used is, but again, if only one out of four or five people can do that, then we better darn well get some skills Mm -hmm. to know how to do that. It is a very, this should be a very skill-based kind of experience Mm -hmm. when you're working with a therapist, you should feel connected, you should feel cared for. They should be teaching you a lot about yourself biologically so that you can connect with another human being 
most of the time in fun and enjoyment and doing life together and having a shared purpose of why are we doing this thing mm-hmm. together. But also I want, I want people to know what to do when they get to that bump in the road, mm-hmm. you know, in and, their marriage. Yes. Just... Well, this is how we did such a bad job in our field. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago we used to teach people how to problem solve. And mm-hmm. that was the big thing. We could teach them how to deal with conflict. So they had a lot of conflict. So they were connected, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the time they knew how to be connected. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, let me pick a fight. I think it was probably unconscious. Let me pick mm-hmm. a fight so that we can go through those four steps again, so that I can feel how much you care about me. Like a test. Yeah. Or yeah. That's we didn't so know how to deal with ourselves on a, on a daily basis. Right. But anyway, I think it's just, if we were to summarize some of that, you know, if somebody is working with an individual therapist or a couples therapist, make sure that they have specific training in working with relationships because it's really tricky. Yeah, really, really tri- tricky, and it doesn't have good outcome. Yeah. Stuff I think we need to know that that you know, couples therapy doesn't have good outcome results. It's really tricky, anyway. Yeah. Uh, um, so avail yourself of the resources out there that actually are trained yeah. to do that kind of work. And, and now we know there's a lot online where people can do some, some of their own self-training. Mm. You know, I think there's a Gottman course that you can take online. EFT has a one called hold me tight. Mm-hmm. Brent Atkinson has some stuff online, you know, reach out to any of those on YouTube mm-hmm. just to learn about yourself. The problem is you've got tons of books and things out there that really aren't very useful. Yeah. So we, we don't want to, um, just go to Barnes and Noble and pick a book off the shelf. Right. You may you may get some bad information. So but hold I can me tight. To you hold me you tight. By Sue Johnson. Uh huh. Amazing. Yeah. I was reading that at the beach two weeks ago. Yeah. Just part great of it. Stuff. I've got maybe two chapters in, but oh, and Gottman self-training online. He's, yeah, they've got a course now for couples online that you can nice. take a very short course. Yeah, um, probably be a thousand times more sophisticated than mine will be, but uh-huh. I'm I'm going to do it not just on the Gottman method, but just a lot of a things general. Oh apply. yeah, pull just from everything. Stony, what I've learned, I what it. I wish you knew, what I wish I had known, Ooh, you know, yes. a long time ago would oh, be fantastic. Man. And um, anything, uh, let's see what we were saying. By John John Gottman also has a book, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage mm-hmm. Work, okay. which is a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. Because what I like what these things do with people um, is it starts to make them curious. Mm-hmm. Like maybe yeah. it wasn't just picking this partner. Maybe that wasn't the only thing I was supposed mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, Maybe there's something else to keeping a relationship healthy. Right. Uh, then, oh, okay, well, I don't feel good, so I'm out. Yeah. No, this is good. And I love that um, potential sentence of what I wish I had known. So maybe just to um, wrap up that first topic, (laughs) summage. I really am glad you brought that up because just it makes me think of a lot of pitfalls Mm -hmm. that not only therapists can fall into or relatives or family, but if you are processing and venting your marriage problems to other people, Mm -hmm. that there's a very limited amount of that that's probably truly effective or going to help your marriage yeah, repair yeah. itself or not repair itself. It doesn't but, mean stuff it. So yes. as I said that, I thought about that a little bit. Of course, yeah. we all need people to talk to and we've got a close friend, mm-hmm. but you know the friends who are just going to come in and validate you. Yeah. And you know the ones who are going to say, 
let's think about this from another perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the ones that you can say, tell me where I'm off here. Yes. You know, don't yes. just make me feel better. Yes. And you know the ones you're going to go to because they're just going to agree with you mm-hmm. and for you. Yeah. All right. So those are two very different people. So I think just be deliberate. I'm not telling people not to talk about yeah. it because we all need to have a special person that we say, okay, I'm going through a really hard time. And yeah, as a parent or as a friend or in my career, we all need that. This is community. But just be aware that the advice these people give who love you may not be terribly effective or accurate. Yeah. And if they don't know all pieces or all sides, then they they can't weigh in a a really helpful piece. They might also be in that four out of five people who have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's good. That's a really good pitfall to be aware of. And that was super helpful. Okay. So now should we transition into this topic of, um, the autonomic nervous system and all that stuff? Does anyone need water or bathroom? Okay, good. <laughs>